You are listening to Healing Arts with Dr. Shelley Care. Visit me online at www.pastlifelady.com. Connect with me on YouTube at Past Life Lady or on my Facebook fan page at Past Life Lady. The Healing Arts Program is not intended as a substitute for consultation with a licensed medical or mental health professional. The listener should regularly consult a physician or mental health professional in matters relating to his or her health, and particularly with respect to any symptoms that may require diagnosis or medical attention. This program provides content related to educational, medical, and psychological topics. As such, listening to the program implies your acceptance of this disclaimer. Guess what? Healing Arts Podcast has been nominated for a Coalition of Visionary Resources Award as one of the best spiritual podcasts. Thank you so much for supporting my show and for listening to the program. I would love it if you would vote for the show. And the other nominees I have this year is Past Lives in Ancient Lands and Other Worlds was nominated as the best book in past life regression. And Journeys Through the Akashic Records was nominated as one of the best self-help books. And so I've got the links below. I would love it if you would take a moment to vote for me. I would be so grateful. And if you complete the screens on the survey, hit the complete button and take a screenshot, you can email me at Shelly at ShellyCare.com and I will give you a free guided imagery journey that you can enjoy to say thank you for voting for my books and for this Healing Arts Podcast. Thanks for listening to the show. I look forward to joining you for season 15, which will be coming up soon. And in the meantime, thanks for your vote. Hey friends, would you like to heal your ancestors to heal your life? Well, you can do just that with my book by the same name that will teach you my genealogical regression process so that you can send love and light to your ancestors. And by learning a few simple techniques, you will begin to feel the benefits of that healing resonating through yourself and your entire family, past, present, and future. Check out my book, Heal Your Ancestors to Heal Your Life, The Transformative Power of Genealogical Regression, today. Just go to pastlifelady.com, click on the book link, and check it out. Thank you so much. Welcome to Healing Arts. I'm your host, Dr. Shelley Care. Hey, my dear friend, how you doing? I hope you're having a wonderful week. So today we've got a couple of hopefully interesting segments for you. First up, we're going to do book talk. And I'm going to revisit a book I wrote a long time ago that was a huge hit at the time called Top 10 Healing Stones of All Time. 
I'll be having another fun but very short conversation with my audiobook narrator, Cassandra Arnold, um, about the book. Partly, I think I forgot what some of the stones are in this book because I write so many books. And at the time that we were recording this, I was still in the middle of writing my long book. So um, Top 10 Healing Stones basically is, is my countdown of some of the best stones of all time. Uh, it would include things like lapis and rose quartz and hematite and amethyst and and just all of the good stuff that you want and so much more. So um, Cassandra and I will focus on one of those stones in particular. So I hope you enjoy this. And then when we come back, we're going to keep going on our discussion of energy healing. I'll be inviting one of my very favorite human beings, Cindy Dale. We'll be back on the show. We'll be revisiting an old conversation we had about energy healing. So after the break, just be sure and stay tuned for Cindy Dale. I hope you have a wonderful day and I hope you enjoy it. So let's get started. Hey friends, welcome to another episode of Book Talk. So I'm here again and we're going to be talking about some of my books with my audible editor and narrator, Cassandra Arnold. Hey, Cassandra, welcome. How are you doing? Good, good. All right. So today we're going to talk about uh, a book that was very, very popular back in the day that some people may not know about. It's called Top 10 Healing Stones of All Time. So I think this one came out originally like in 2009. And it's I, it's kind of like, um, you know, just counting down any top 10. I thought I took a lot of humor when I was writing it. But yeah, what are the best stones that people can use in healing? And so we count them down from 10 to one. And this is the book where I really dug into the phenomenon of the bloodstone and how we can place bloodstones on the body and the red flecks get absorbed into the body. And so um, it's kind of a quick read, I think. It's a fun read, but I'm, I'm just putting it out there for you as the top of the top, very affordable, very easy to use. So Cassandra and I have been together for a while and just right when we met, obviously she's had to read a lot of this really crazy material that I write. So I can't wait. What did you think about healing stones? Well, I don't know a whole lot about healing. So, well, I do now, but back then I didn't know anything about healing stones. Um, yeah, you know, I, it's some of the pronunciations were pretty difficult, but I, you know, again, your your books are they flow very easily. So, you know, as a reader and as a narrator, um, I just enjoy doing them so much. Now, the healing stone books, I those were very educational to me. I had no idea what some of these stones could do, and I just that was probably the most interesting thing to me. Um, did that one include some meditations in it? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So I enjoy, I swear, I think I've almost hypnotized myself a couple of times <laughs> reading these, but, um, you know, I've actually tried out a few of them. Um, I ordered, and of course I'm from Tucson, which is the, you know, gem, the gem show of all gem shows comes here. So, um, it's been interesting though. I've been going to the gem show, taking a look, see what they have. Can't really afford a lot of the things, but <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> I know that feeling well. Um, that was always my annual pilgrimage for a while. I haven't done that in many years, but yeah, that's a real blast. So yeah. 
So, but no, I had no idea that stones could be so that they could heal like that. And, um, you know, I, it's, it's, it was definitely educational for me. Okay, great. Yeah. So if you want a quick read, you want the top 10 with some interesting <laughs> stories, check it out. Yes. And we'll see you next time on Book Talk. We'll be right back. Hey friends, have you wanted to access the Akashic Records but had no idea how to do that? Well, guess what? My new book, Journeys Through the Akashic Records, will take you step by step through the process so that you can access other realms of consciousness for your own healing and transformation. This book will show you how to open the door to this wellspring of information, meet with your spirit guides, do present life healing, psychic protection, go out into the field of possibilities to access your higher soul's purpose, meet your guides and helpers, your soul group, and so much more. Again, over 50 guided journeys await you as you access the Akashic Records and receive information that is personal to you for your healing and self-transformation. Check out the book now. Just go over to my website, pastlifelady.com. Click on the book link and order today. Welcome back to Healing Arts. I'm Dr. Shelley Care. Visit me online at www.pastlifelady.com. Welcome back. All right. So we talked about the top 10 healing stones of all time. I hope you'll check that one out. And next up, I'm going to be putting a rerun of my first interview that I did with my dear friend, Cindy Dale. Cindy is an amazing human being. She's one of the best people I know. But aside from being a wonderful person, she's also one of the best energy healers out there. Her and I are on the same page about so many of these things in terms of how energy should work, things we need to be thinking about. And her books are incredibly um, thought-provoking, incredibly thorough, and really filled with tons of excellent information. So today we'll be talking about her book on energy healing and pets, but just know that every single book she's written, I think is fantastic. And all of her stuff is highly, highly recommended. I cannot say enough about how much I love this lady. She has been a huge friend to me. And uh, like I said, if you haven't read her books yet, you need to check her out. She's one of the best ones out there. She's the real deal, folks. And believe me, it's hard to find those out here, as you can well imagine. So let's revisit a really fun talk that Cindy and I had a while back about energy healing and pets. You know how much we love pets, and I know you do too. So settle in and let's check it out.
Hey, dear ones, guess what? We've got Cindy Dale, who is joining us once again on Healing Arts. And today, the phenomenal Cindy Dale, we're going to talk about, she's got so many great books, you got to check them out. But the one I want to talk about today that I know you're going to love is Energy Wellness and Your Pet. This is literally the best book I have ever seen on animal healing. So let me read you her bio. Cindy Dale is an internationally renowned author, speaker, healer, and business consultant. She's president of Life System Services, and she's conducted over 65,000 client sessions and presentations, training classes throughout Europe, Asia, and the Americas, and she lives in Minneapolis. Cindy, welcome back to Healing Arts. You're incredible. How are you? Oh, it's so fun to be here. Here I am in Minneapolis where everything's just cold. I sit in my basement right next to the furnace when I'm working, so I'm not cold. Oh, darn. So you don't want me to complain about the 40 degree weather that I'm experiencing? Oh, no, no, I think we have 25 below. I did run Honey and Lucky, who are on the cover of that book this morning. We usually go around the dog park three times. We made it one and a half before their paws were like not going to move anymore. So I am a very good doggy mom, pet mom. I will say that. That is, you are a good doggy mom. I mean, you are the best doggy mom any, any dog could ever hope for having. <laughs> So speaking of this now, this book is so thorough and amazing. How did you begin working with animals in healing? You know, it's natural. Uh, both my sons, one is 33 years old right now, always had pets. I always had pets. I've had the whole menagerie of pets. And because I do healing work and intuitive work for a living, my pets have always been around when I'm working with clients. So it was natural that I began many, many moons ago tuning into, you know, what is the guinea pig saying and what do the fish need and what, what is, what's happening with the turtles who are walking around and how about the wild bunny and the cat and the dogs and gosh knows what else. And so because I do intuitive work, it was really natural to kind of spread my radar so I could tune into the animals or at least try to. You've got like um, the dogs, of course, but you've got even reptiles, birds and everything. Can, can anyone learn how to do healing with their pet? I absolutely believe so. And I think the two keys are first to know that you're going to have your own style. And, you know, you don't even want me saying, oh, you've got to be able to get a vision or feel what their emotions are or put your hand on them and tell where the hot spots are. Those are certain ways that we can tune into pets. Right. But Every healer has a different style. Some of us get information in dreams. Others of us get these hunches and the key is to follow the hunches. You know, some of us, we, you know, kind of, we just naturally attract animals and they'll literally get in our face. I worked with a client this uh, morning from China. She is Chinese and we work with each other a couple times a month. And she said, I do not like cats. And this cat followed me today, like right behind me, like it was trying to talk to me. And I don't know if it was trying to give me a healing or it wanted a healing, but I do not like cats. So we had to back up and work on her cat issues and then let her interface with the cat. So if we can get senses of what our pets need, of course we can send energy for them. We can always ask for guides to send healing energies to the pets. We don't even have to put our hand out and look funny, you know, if we don't want to. They have guides and the guides will deliver healing upon request also. 
so the pets, I, one of the things I love about this book, you've got a lot of charts and everything showing like chakra systems and stuff. So how are the animals chakra systems different from ours? And, and I guess you've also, you know, you've broken it down. So if we want to talk about dogs or whichever you would like to begin with, we want to hear it. It's amazing. Well, there are a lot of charts because I'm one of these systems people. <laughs> Like that's what like we love. Charts. I like little numbers. I like steps. A, B, C, and in general, every one of the seven animal species. I mean, really, they're pet species. I cover reptiles. Uh, you know, fish. Different kinds of fish. Uh, your your you know mammals, etc. They all have the same basic number of chakras. Now. I personally work with a 12 chakra system. I've done that for years and years and years. So when I put the charts in the Energy Wellness for Your Pets book, I worked with the 12 chakras. There are some difference. And I mean, wait till you, it took me forever to draw those little chakras on the spider. <laughs> those yeah. are kids. Like they got a lot of legs, <laughs> right? So, so, you know, we, uh, like them have little minor chakras in our feet. Um, but in pets, those are more developed. You know, sometimes they're called bud chakras. And sometimes a pet doesn't have a neck. So you kind of have to guess around for where the neck is or their ears are in a different place than ours are. So it's really just a matter of, of kind of doing a dot, dot, dot. Here's the function of a chakra. And here's that same functionality in a pet. And so there's a chakra. Chakras are not just human. I fully believe plants have chakras, to be honest. They have this whole another topic, right? But they're, I mean, they have electrical systems very, very similar to humans. So we can get really human-centric in our world and in our universe, but all these other species have energy centers. They all work with subtle energy as well as more recordable bands of light or sound. So why wouldn't they have chakras? Because chakras right. convert subtle to physical and physical to subtle. So of course they can do the same. Absolutely. And do you find that certain pets are like, it seems like dogs, for example, like you've got Honey and Lucky. I mean, they're just so open. They're so like, okay, give me some healing. I love it. You know, and they just accept everything that we want to dish out. But, you know, cats are very finicky and different animals, it seems, have different levels of sensitivity. Have you found that to be the case? Absolutely. Like you take like a horse, you have to approach a horse a little bit different. There's been around for years, a beautiful healing technique on horses where you make, you know, kind of circles on them, which actually mirrors the movement of the chakras. And that's a way to calm them down and bond and connect with them, you know, but snakes, snakes have a really different radar. Think about oh, lucky, right? Like, is anybody saying the word F-O-O-D, which I can't, I have to spell because they're over there. Right. The bird children are in the house. <laughs> right. Or birds are pretty open because they're yeah. airborne. So they take in what's in the air. You know, fish, you kind of have to send in that through that medium of water. But snakes are sort of like, you know, I'm just about survival. I'm about me. I'm about survival. So to send energy into a snake, you sort of have to accommodate its personality versus these wide open puppies that unless they've yeah. been abused, of course, right. are just wide open. Absolutely. You know, I, I found a lot of 
um, after I put past lives with pets out, a lot of my students seem to want to understand how to communicate with pets. So do you think it's important that before you send the healing to try to communicate with them? Or how do you tune in to decide like what they might need versus just sending them general energy, I guess is my question. I, well, if you don't know, you can always just send general energy or you can right. ask their guides to put general energy in there. I, for uh, pets, use the same three-step process I do for people so that I'm not imposing my will. I always affirm my spirit, which is my spark, their spirit, the spirits of all their helpers, the greater spirit, which of course is going to feel and look different to them than the greater spirit is going to for me. And then even if I think I know what they need, their spirit, their personal spirit is going to decide what they're going to let in and what they're not going to let in. I always think it's good to be connected to a pet before you work on it to get some sense of bond. And you can always go heart to heart for that. You don't have to have an exact, oh, the lung you know, is congested over here because they're, they're communicative you know, in their own way, not in a way that we always understand. Uh, but, but sending love, you know, feeling loving toward the pet uh, is always a good bridge so that we're on some kind of wavelength with them and they'll trust us. They'll trust the energy that way too. Absolutely. So how long does a pet session take? Is it just dependent on the challenge or do you think it's a lot quicker than it is with humans or? I think they're quicker. Uh, I did two sessions for a woman whose amazing dog was dying. She sent me a picture of this dog. I mean, it's it was like a guru dog, just this big, beautiful, fluffy dog that was dying. And we only had 27 minutes in the session. And I think that in terms of communicating with the pet, we only used like 15. A lot of it was for her too. You know, that horrible sense of release. It's so hard to release a pet. I mean, sometimes I've had an easier time releasing relatives. I know that's not nice to say, but there's a bond with some of these pets that yes. it, it's so unconditional. And then we worked again once her pet had passed. And again, we only had about a half an hour. And that pet was right there, communicating, showing, giving pictures. Uh, I, I've typically, when I work with pets, or a lot of us, when we work with pets, it's just folded into a larger session. Right. I have one gentleman, he's amazing, and he's a farmer, and he has this dog that's so old. He He's several times tried to help the dog go to the other side because this dog is like 20. I mean, it's like, this is a really old dog and not very happy and doesn't eat much. And I think he's had two other dogs die while this dog is still alive. So you don't have a lot of control <laughs> any more than you do people. Um, but the communication can, can be wonderful. And you know, if you can't do one thing, you're often guided to support or help them be out of pain or this or that or the other thing. I have one friend, I would work on her dog. She always has two dogs. Her little dog, Racy, who's this little black poodle. I really didn't like Racy at all. I mean, Racy was grumpier than grumpy than grumpy and would come after me and try to bite me, to be honest. And this is a girlfriend of mine. So she would check in with Racy when we chatted in the morning. And I 
had the most precise data about Racy. She'll go, oh, I don't know, Racy's not feeling good. And I'll say, gallbladder, get this or that. Or I was always accurate with Racy. We didn't get along at all, but I could help Racy. Racy lived old, 18, 19. Poodles can live a little older. After Racy died, uh, one morning, I from my ceiling, there were little black feathers dropping down from the ceiling. He was a little black dog. I thought, oh, Racy likes me now. Yes, oh, <laughs> Racy, how cute. Racy's visiting. <laughs> like, thank you. We both loved JJ. So thank you for helping us both while I was alive. They're, they're just as, you know, any pet, cat, horse, uh, rabbit, you know, uh, you know, aquatic fish, they've got souls. I believe firmly they have souls. Oh, I totally agree. Totally, totally agree. Um, do you think, it's like I do get contacted now a lot from people who have lost their pets. And don't you think that pets do have sometimes a hard time crossing over? Maybe they're confused or something. I, I do, Shelley. I think they get confused because their bond is with their, their uh, companion, yeah. their human companion or companions. And I think it's really hard for them to, you know, kind of find their way somewhere else when their heart is still here and they feel the grieving. So sometimes they do need help letting go. They need to be told it's okay to move on. Uh, we lost uh, one of the many Honey the Golden Retrievers. I'm on the third one right now. The oh, first, okay. No, I know. The first one was actually in my ex-husband's family. And then when I was going to get my youngest son a, a dog, my ex-husband said, will you please get a male Golden Retrieval and name it Honey, just like I grew up with? So I'm like, okay, I guess I'm going to get a male Golden Retriever named Honey. I'm sure it's the same soul because they have the exact same personality you know, eat whatever they want, go wherever they want to go, bark, do their own thing, very uncannily smart, very manipulative, can open, you know, refrigerator doors, etc. And, and so cute. <laughs> I know. But they get away with murder. I love yeah, it. They do. <laughs> so, unexpectedly, the second honey died. And oh my gosh, it was so horrible. Several years ago, maybe about eight, nine years ago or something like that, only seven years old, my son was devastated. I couldn't figure it out. Died of like basically a throat wound. And oh my God. I don't I didn't understand it. I couldn't communicate with honey. I couldn't figure it out until about a month later I'm at a movie remember when we could go to movies um what with, i don't remember that <laughs> with girlfriends and honey soul came in and he said i had to leave to save gabe's life so somewhere in there there was some kind of a karmic thing that he left in order for my son to be okay i don't understand wow. it but i trusted it several years ago about whatever seven-ish years ago i hear this voice i'm just sleeping sleeping, like really peacefully sleeping. And this voice comes in and goes, I'm coming back. <laughs> it was honey. I knew it was honey. I was like, oh, please don't. You're so much work. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> Guess who? That morning, my son got up and without me talking to him, he was Googling golden retrievers. We found a golden in Pennsylvania named Tank. 
everywhere we went, we saw signs of tanks, GI Joe tanks. We had honey delivered, like the real honey delivered from Amazon. We never ordered. And I'm like, I just really, I don't have the energy for this. I, I know it's tank. I just don't have the energy. So I'm at my therapist in a non-pet building. I'm leaving. And I say to her, I just need one more sign that I have to get tank. I walk out the door and there's a dog in the hallway with a leash in its mouth coming right up to me. No person. I'm like, okay, <laughs> I got it. It's like, bam, bam. They do return too. They communicate, they return. Yes, uh, three, they do. Days, three days after we got this honey, Lucky bit him on the nose over a food disagreement. It was boys that caused it. I had to bring him back to the same emergency place with the same basic type of wound that he had died from before. And we just played all that out again. And, but he survived after a two and a half hour surgery. I know these, it's not just dogs. It's not just mammals. I mean, we're, we have so many species, each of which represents some form of spiritual quality, some kind of a way of being. So if you're into birds, freedom's probably important to you. Yeah. Uh, flying is, but you're not going to get off the ground unless you're in an airplane. Uh, hopefully. <laughs> right, exactly. So, um, you know, there we're all one family and these are certain types of families we interact with. Oh, absolutely. Here, here's a question I was thinking about. I don't think I've ever asked anyone about this before, but I've always thought that certain people, you know how people look like their pet or whatever, that there's just certain pets that resonate like vibrationally with certain kinds of people. Like I like fuzzy cats that like look like throw pillows that just go dong, you know, and just don't you really look like you know, that <laughs> because that's just like me, you know, or whatever. I mean, do you think there's any truth to that? There's a vibrational alignment be between you and the pet that you're attracted to, I guess is what I'm asking. Definitely. Well, we're just made out of frequencies, vibration, right? The yes. information that vibrates, same with the pet, every species sort of has its own thing in general. So those souls come in to be a kitty cat or a tiger or a mule or, uh, uh, you know, kind of a guppy or whatever it might be, you know, because they need to be at that resonance. They need to be at that frequency. And so we're going to attract what we need. We're going to attract what fortifies us, maybe teaches us, us, you know, and helps us be who we really are. So I think it's really funny how often people look like or act like their pets too. They can act very much the same way. Look at the Garfield cartoons. <laughs> yes, that is so cute. That's just so cute. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I guess I haven't asked this either. Now, you have a lot of books on energy healing. How did you ever first get into this line of work? You know, I was super psychic as a kid. I did not know that word. I just thought it was like, well, there's colors coming off of people. Or of course I go to my first funeral and my mother's friend, Jean is dead. And in the, you know, when you're a kid, these things like you don't get all you know, soppy about this, you know, her body's there in the casket, but Jean is up there on the ceiling. And I noticed things. I saw things. I felt things. I heard things that didn't seem to be common, if you would. Uh, and, right. you know, I thought it was okay. I know my parents thought I was weird. They thought I was making things up. And I think I was pretty hardy. 
as a kid. So I sort of shrugged that off until uh, I just shut down my gifts. I wanted to die. God wouldn't let me die. I got sent back. I never saw the light. <laughs> and so I got really mad. And so I just shut down my gifts. But when I went to therapy around 1920, it was something in there. My therapist said, you know, I don't think you're only anorexic, bulimic, codependent, blah, 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 blah. I think you're psychic. And so I started exploring that world because it could help me self-define. And I met different healers in different countries. And I learned a lot about how it was done in other places and spaces in a very respectful way. So it was pretty instinctive that in learning about myself, I learned about energy and chakras and healing. And, you know, in other countries, they're, they're really connected to nature. So it's, that was instinctive too, to learn not so much about plants. I mean, about animals, but learn about plants when I was, you know, traveling in different countries too. Wow. Here's something people like to ask me a lot. I guess I, I'm like you, like, I believe like if you're a healer, you have to acknowledge the fact that, you know, God source creators in charge, we are, you know, just delivering energy and I don't want to force anything on you. So I've always described that as I need to make sure that I'm getting in alignment with your higher self to receive permission. And that sometimes the physical person who's alive or who's physically here with us doesn't really know what they want or don't want. So we want to get in touch like with their soul. But what do you think about the effectiveness of healing um, if I don't believe in it and, and how that interplay is with gaining permission to, to deliver the healing and what results people can expect, I guess. I think you have to have permission. And yes. it's why I use that exercise, my spirit, your spirit, helping spirits, greater spirit, because then you're giving permission for their spirit or their higher self to decide yes. what's going to happen or not. And I think, I think, I don't think the client necessarily has to believe. I mean, you're made out of energy, whether you believe it or not, right? right. The electricity is hooked up, right? And your circuit breaker works and you've got a light bulb and you flip the switch, that light's going to go on, whether you believe it's going to go on or not. I don't, I think that's overplayed the yeah. belief piece. I, typically the studies I've seen, and I'm sure there's other studies talk about the importance of belief in the practitioner. Now it doesn't mean you can stand there and go, I believe they're going to be healed from cancer. Cause you don't know if that's going to happen. You don't know if that's what's supposed to happen. You don't know what their greater, you know, their spirit or the greater spirit wants, but you can certainly believe that energy has an effect and that if your heart is open and you're wishing for something good to happen, whatever the good is, it will happen. Maybe somebody just gets a little bit more accepting of their death or uh, maybe their emotions, you know, shift. I worked with a client years and years ago and she came in because she had lung cancer. And I think we sort of worked on the lung cancer. I mean, we talked about different feelings and issues that were going on, et cetera. And she sent me a snail mail letter a few days after that. And she said, I don't know if anything helped with the lung cancer. And she was doing chemo uh, and you know, radiation and chemo too. She goes, but I was, I was, I, I was in pain the entire night I worked with you. I go, you know, I'm like, wow, that's extreme. And then she wrote, I grew two inches. <laughs> My spine grew two inches. 
<laughs> I know. I did not ask for that. Right. <laughs> right. No. The next time she came back, I could tell she was sort of spooked about me. I'm like, honey, I'm not doing this. It's bigger forces deciding you needed two inches. And she wrote me another snail mail letter after our second session. And she did say that it looked like the cancer was in remission, but that totally could have been the radiation, the chemo and all the work. And she said, the thing I am most noticing besides that, so I don't take any energetic credit for the cancer. She said, is I'm struck with ineffable bouts of joy just when I don't want to be happy. <laughs> she was a really grumpy person. So I think it's sort of funny that the big healing she got the second time was sort of like a feather duster to make her laugh once in a while, which may have everything to do with the lung cancer. Lungs are about grief, energetically, a little more joy ain't going to hurt either, right. right? I don't think we really know unless we get a really strong, and I, and maybe you have this happen too, Shelly. Sometimes I get a really strong sense of what is going to happen. And I never promise clearing or healing or whatever, but I'll say, now watch for this, or you might feel this way, or don't be surprised if this, or go get this test. I think that's really important. Right. Well, we don't really know. We're not in charge. That's right. We're not. I, I totally agree with you with everything you're saying. And you're right. Sometimes you, you know, if you're moving energetic blockages and bringing more light in, we don't always know what's going to show up as a result of that work, but something's going to show up. And it must be, like you said, if you've done the prayers, because you and I are in alignment when, on that, if the higher self, this is what they did, they're going to use it in the way they need to use it. And miracles can happen, but we don't have any clue how that's going to show up. I guess some people grow two inches. Amazing. But I mean, who would have thunk that, you know? You don't know. And yeah. Doing healing work. I have all these techniques, but I still don't really know. I, I try to be really open if I'm self-healing. Yeah. Some of the most frustrating experiences for any of us, whether we use prayer, healing, uh, you know, whatever our mode is, you know, uh, caring about other people's feelings, we're all healers at some level. You don't have to have it on your card, but all of us can relate to when we really care about something or somebody and we really want an outcome and we just get that blank feeling inside, like, well, I can't make this happen or I can't tell them something good's going to happen. I have no idea. I mean, it's sort of like parenting. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, I show up. <laughs> it's very much and, the same feeling. Yeah. Hope for the best and just show up. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned the prayer, you know, prayer to me is a healing whether people want to realize that or not, don't you agree? I mean, when you're, it's just about sending some light, sending a well wish towards somebody, people feel that. And it is to me a form of healing. What do you think of that? I think it's exactly a form of healing. And I did some research on prayer a few years ago about all the different types of prayer. There's actual prayers for healing, 
prayers for intercession where you ask that something negative be stopped or blocked. There's right. prayers, you know, to bring the person good cheer. There's, you know, prayers so that they feel like they're companioned. There's so many different kinds of prayer. We don't have to make it complicated. We can just ask for the best. We can just, you know, kind of ask for prayer is sort of, I always think of prayer as when we send out a request, right? To whatever it is you believe in, I don't care if you call it the universe, goodness, humanitarianism, God, Allah, when we, when we send a request to the source for self or other, that's a prayer. I typically think of meditation as a process for receiving. So when, you know, if we pray for ourselves and sometimes we can then ask for, you know, I want to be in a meditative state for the rest of today or for this week to see what's being sent my way. And we can encourage somebody we pray for, you know, to be in the same place and just be in willingness or openness or a question mark around the adventure. So prayer is healing. And, yes. you know, we're just connecting. It's a way of connecting is what it is. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what do you think about the pandemic and this strange time that we're in? We didn't really get into that last time. So what do you think is going on here? And in your opinion, I mean, there's so much we I could unpack here, obviously, but yeah, well, and I want to hear your opinion too, to be yeah, honest. Okay. <laughs> I think on the higher order, it's a virus. All right. Viruses in my mini universe as a energy person, viruses when they're in the system are very unique because they tend to be connected to a bigger, more negative force outside of them directing them. So I think at one level, the virus represents the kind of, you use your own word, dark forces, negativity, that we're all really being asked to show up to change. Nepotism, uh, racism, sexism, genocide, all these horrors that we endure and put up with and pretend away. So I think the virus is like asking each of us, like, will you please not participate in that? Or will you call that out? Or will, you know, will you say, I want something good in the place of that, even in your own personal life? I mean, if somebody's abusing you, you get to say no, right? Because otherwise you're feeding a dark force. And I don't blame the victim for being abused either. I also think on a higher level, viruses don't stop at the territory marks on maps. They don't care that that's China and that's Taiwan and this is the United States and there's Paris. So why do we care so much? I mean, it's one world, one planet, one people, one family. Why are we not helping each other and caring more for each other? I think those are two of the pieces that are happening. That's I totally agree. Yeah, the piece about... I guess from a karma perspective, you know, we, we don't, we talk about it, that my actions are affecting others, but I think we're getting to see, wait a minute, my actions actually affect others. And like you said, we are a whole world. It's, you know, it's not just about this group or that group. It's about the whole world as a collective, which I think has been sorely missing. I mean, I, I totally agree with that. And then the other piece is I, I think this whole idea of, you know, having to stay home or what, whatever's going on here, you know, let's say we're in our cubicles. Okay. There's some aspect to me. I, I feel like the universe or whatever source, whatever we're, we're being asked to slow down, sit still, sit with it. And again, 
examine the things within, let's pull them up and get rid of them. If it's something dark, it needs to be gotten rid of, but we won't allow those things usually to come up and come out because we're so busy running around being distracted all the time that we don't really know what's in here. And I, I guess I've been really shocked and I feel bad. I guess I, I just feel like a lot of people haven't had a meditative practice or, and, and so this has been really horrible. Like several years ago, if something like this had happened to me, I mean, when I was a hyperactive, I'm still hyperactive, but I mean, I've learned how to meditate at least. Thank you, Lord. I mean, if I hadn't had that, I just don't know how I would have made it through this time. And I, it seems like this is really pulling the rug out of people's whole reality. And I do have so much compassion for that because I know how hard that would be. I mean, it's just incredibly difficult. And yet within that, I feel like we're being given such a human, um, human a, a, a time for human compassion, a time for reflection about ourselves. What do we really want to do in this world? How are we going to show up for each other? that we're never gonna have this opportunity again. And we're wanting to get the heck out of here. I get it. I mean, believe me, I do wanna run kicking and screaming down the street, but yet we're never gonna get this chance again, Cindy. We are, you know? it's, it's the go within, it's go within. My heart has been bleeding the most for elderly people, especially those first few months. I actually, at the beginning of the lockdown, uh, adopted through uh, little little friends of the elderly, I think it's called an elderly shut-in. And I didn't time it. <laughs> so it coordinated with COVID. And, but you were really only supposed to do phone calls anyway. This amazing gentleman, Otis Hightower, was so sweet and so kind and so funny. He was like, a he owned a jazz club in St. Louis for like years and years and years. And he was wow. spicy. And we talked on the phone and then we started to get into nice weather. And he, he said, I have nobody to see. I am all alone except for my grandson once in a while. He said, will you see me? And so I started to drive, it was maybe 20 minutes away and I'd bring two chairs in my car and we'd sit them outside seven feet away. And he talked really soft so I could never hear him and I would turn my hearing aids up because I have hearing aids so I could kind of hear him but he didn't really care what I had to say. Anyway, he was just so lonely. That, that was so hard. I couldn't imagine so many people who were already shut in. We also have to go better and reach people who can't come out, who can't ever reach out. He actually died. He actually died in August. I saw him on a Thursday and then I was supposed to see him again the following Thursday. So I called him, I was gonna pick up McDonald's cause he really likes McDonald's and he didn't answer, he didn't answer. And I was like, this is not right, something's wrong. I just knew, I just knew he was passed. He died the next day after I had seen him but at least he saw a person. He saw oh, somebody. So there's another COVID lesson. We can't just leave people alone either. I think, yeah, sometimes I think it's easy for us to forget because we're, we're becoming so distracted, but we cannot allow that to happen. That's just horrible. It is. I mean, yeah. it makes you want to cry. Yeah. 
I fully believe my mother died about two years ago. And I fully believe is because I always saw her like twice a week. I'm, I was, I'm the only real, I was the only relative in town because I had to go into a baseball, you know, being gone probably two thirds of the time for my son's baseball team. And I think she just decided to leave. I saw her the day before she went in the hospital for the last time. I think she decided to leave because it was, I don't want to be here unless I get to see somebody, you know, like, you know, who I want to see. I don't feel guilty, but I do believe that was really part of her internal decision-making too. Yeah. And like a couple of years ago, I mean, we were still at least kind of open. We could talk to each other. We could go see each other. And I think a lot of people, I've just heard from a lot of people just expressing just deep levels of despair. You know, they don't, they're just like, I don't want to do this anymore. To the extent where I have to say, okay, so do I need to call the suicide prevention people to come over? I mean, because some of these people are out of state, you know, I can't go over and see them or whatever. Zoom to me, I mean, even though I didn't know what I was doing when I first started all this, but it's been just such a godsend. If, if people will use it, I think some people are real resistant to it, but I mean, sometimes you just have to use what you've got. And if this is the best we can do, then I think it's better than nothing, you know? I think it's great. I, I use Zoom for work. I have for a really long time, you know, and the telephone for my clients, but I've talked with my family more than I have for two years because we Zoom. I have a steady friendship group that we talk every Saturday night. We used to get together maybe every two months or so. So I think yeah. it's scary for people to learn how the technology works. But you know what? Everybody blows it. I have like some new app on my phone that's supposed to be the new in thing. Like it's like a bunch of people, like you set up these meetings and you talk and nothing gets recorded. I'm freaked by it. Like I accidentally <laughs> press my phone and people start talking and I'm sure they can hear me. And I just shut my phone down because I haven't learned how to use it yet. I mean, I get it and I'm pretty tech savvy, <laughs> but, yeah. but then get somebody to get on the phone and have somebody tell you what buttons to press, et cetera. Yes. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I guess I went out, you know, I had to do a few online classes in the beginning, made a complete fool out of myself. But at the end of the day, you know, I had a few laughs. You know, right. that's, I think that's part of it. We all, I think it's been neat to see even like professional broadcasters or something. Here comes their cat walking across the table or their kids are going, Mom, I need a drink, you know, and you see them going, Oh my God, they're like mortified. And then they just have to drop it. You know, we have to, we're very, we're very authentic in this as well, which I think is really cool. Actually. I think that's one of the gifts of this time. I do too. I was on one show and the, the uh, host's son came in and he goes, where's my lunch? <laughs> really? Well, we're that cutting into your lunchtime. You're all the time. I, where's my lunch? I don't care anymore. Right. <laughs> that is so cute. Yeah. I think we're going to, I mean, we can't do it yet, I guess. Um, and certainly that's not meant to discount the level of people who have passed from this disease. I mean, it's that's unbelievable. Right. However, I still believe that someday we're going to look back on this time as just one of the most unique times in our lives. I think we will too. And the internal, the closeness, the awareness of death, the, you know, kind of the having to cope with an invisible killer that you can't see, how to keep yourself safe without being scared all the time, how to reach out to people, how to let them reach out to you. 
again, it's still the, it, to me, it's also the one world, one world, one planet, one people. How are we all going to approach being stewards of each other and this planet? How are we going to help each other? Because, you know, viruses mutate and, That's and right. you know, do we have to have the vaxxers and the anti-vaxxers hate each other? What's the point of that? <laughs> right? Just these sorts of, you know, kind of train wrecks. We don't need any of that. We don't I think need that's it. part of this expunging or something of this energy that needs to be brought up, I guess, so that we can just hopefully get rid of it. Because there's no reason why we shouldn't just all be back together here. Exactly. And helping each other. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, something as simple as a vaccine and, you know, for those people who can take it, who feel called to take it, do that. You're helping yourself. You're helping the world. You know, if you're immune compromised and you can't, maybe there's enough people taking it to help the help you too. I mean, right. it, it doesn't have to be a side taking anymore. I, yes, yes. That's all I'll say. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, um, it is what it is, I guess. Well, it's controversial. Almost everything's controversial today, too. Which yeah, is I know. I, I just don't think it should have to be a controversy, but I guess, you know, there it is. So, right. but I'm looking forward to us, you know, recognizing each other as part of a whole and moving forward. And I still have a belief that, you know, we're going to get through this and we're going to be stronger for it. Me too. Me too. And we go full circle. A lot of people are adopting animals during this time. So that's, that's right. Really great, isn't it? It's a They're great time for dogs for sure. A great. You can go walk those dogs and those cats or, you know what I mean? You always have company if there's a cat in the house and it won't bug you too much either. <laughs> that's right. Cats. It sleeps a lot. That's what I like. That's right. So. Anyway, Cindy, you're a joy as always. Very we want to have you come back anytime. So tell us your website again. It's easy, just spelled weird. CindyDale.com. C Y N D I. Kind of like Cindy Lopper, but I'm not her. Dale.com. And that's that's how you find me. All right, great. So friends, you need to check out all of Cindy's amazing books. I'm going to have the links up here and we will join you again for another episode of Healing Arts very soon. So take care, be well, and enjoy this special time that we're having and make the most out of it. Namaste. All right. So I hope you enjoyed my talk with Cindy. I know I did. She's a ton of fun and you will be seeing her in future episodes when we start some new um, editions of the Healing Arts Podcast for sure. So I hope you're doing well. I hope the new year is off to a proper start for you. And just know that you're always in my thoughts and prayers. I cannot wait until we get together again on the next episode of Healing Arts. Hey friends, guess what? My new book, Past Lives in Ancient Lands and Other Worlds, Understand Your Soul's Journey Through Time is out and available. And you can order this book and visit ancient civilizations, including prehistory hunter-gatherers, Mesopotamia, Babylon, the Persian Empire, Egypt, Greece, Europe, the Americas, Rome, Asia and Australia and travel into other worlds 
including Atlantis and Lemuria, outer space, and so much more. This book features over 50 guided journeys to help you understand your soul's journey through time. So check it out. Visit my website, pastlifelady.com. Click on the book link and order Past Lives in Ancient Lands and Other Worlds today. Thank you so much. Guess what? Healing Arts Podcast has been nominated for a Coalition of Visionary Resources Award as one of the best spiritual podcasts. Thank you so much for supporting my show and for listening to the program. I would love it if you would vote for the show. And the other nominees I have this year is Past Lives in Ancient Lands and Other Worlds was nominated as the best book in past life regression. And Journeys Through the Akashic Records was nominated as one of the best self-help books. And so I've got the links below. I would love it if you would take a moment to vote for me. I would be so grateful. And if you complete the screens on the survey, hit the complete button and take a screenshot, you can email me at Shelly at ShellyCare.com and I will give you a free guided imagery journey that you can enjoy to say thank you for voting for my books and for this Healing Arts Podcast. Thanks for listening to the show. I look forward to joining you for season 15, which will be coming up soon. And in the meantime, thanks for your vote. You've been listening to Healing Arts with Dr. Shelley Care. Visit me online at pastlifelady.com or on YouTube at Past Life Lady or connect with me on Facebook at Past Life Lady.